Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Faith Bible Fellowship Church. My name is Ricardo. I'm one of the elders here. We're going to go ahead and get started with our service. But before that, we're going to have a couple of announcements. Uh, first announcement, there will be no life group tonight. The one that usually meets on Sunday nights, we're not going to be meeting tonight. Uh, we will be having men's Bible study tomorrow. That's at 630. That meets in the youth room in the back. So if you have any questions about that, we're on our last week of studying the book of James. So if you want to just join us for that in the time of fellowship, feel free to come out to that. That's tomorrow at 630 in the youth room. Just a reminder, we will be having our Christmas Eve service here on the 24th. It's going to be at 7 o'clock, and so if you feel free to join us for that, invite someone. Um, that's right, our Christmas Eve service. Um, that's the 24th at 7. Also, I just wanted to personally, first and foremost, thank all you guys. We received the love offering this week, and we were just extremely blessed and caught off guard and just wanted to say on behalf of my family thank you guys so much for taking care of us and loving us in this way it just was a huge blessing and it was unexpected but thank you from the bottom of our hearts with that said um let's stand as we read the call to worship the call to worship today is in luke chapter 2 verse 8 through 14 And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, that we will be for all the people. For unto you today, born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on the earth. Peace among those whom he is pleased. Join us as we worship our Lord through song.
together. I suppose a word of explanation is warranted. I had reconstructive surgery on my right Achilles tendon. Uh, this uh, scooter will be my partner for the next month, and then I'll be in a walking boot for another month. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to talk to you this morning about your son. As we approach this Christmas season, many think of your son as coming into existence in Bethlehem during the reign of Caesar Augustus when Mary gave birth in a stable. But that is not what your holy, inspired, and errant word says. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In the beginning, on day one of creation, the word, the Son, was already there. You, Lord God Almighty, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have always been there. For you are eternal. And not only was the son there, but he was creating. For again, your word says that all things were made through him, the word, the son. Without him was not anything made that was made. And again, the son whom you appointed the heir of all things, through whom also you created the world. He is the radiance of your glory and the exact imprint of your nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of his hands. Father, everything, everything we can say about you, we can say about the Son. He is eternal, he is self-existent, he is all-sufficient, he is infinite, he is unfathomable, he is unchanging, he is omniscient, he is almighty, he is holy, he is king of kings, and lord of lords. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Father, your son stepped out of eternity into time and took upon himself human flesh. And in that flesh, flesh he lived a perfect sinless life. And then, and then he went to the cross and bore all, all our sins in his body. And having made purification for sin, he broke out of the tomb. Death had no hold on him. He ascended back to heaven victorious and took his rightful seat at the right hand of the throne of God, where he will reign for all of eternity. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen. Would you please stand? And it may be Christmas time, not Easter time, but we worship a crucified and risen Savior, not just a Savior who was born and made flesh but one who came for our redemption as well. So let's sing together. Low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting the coming day. Jesus my Lord, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victory. 
from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ
sent a wonderful Savior for us, a Savior that we marvel at. It is birth, His incarnation, His life, His death, His resurrection, and His reign. And Lord, we cling to that today. Father, open our hearts to understand that truth and to let it change our affections, our decisions. Lord, lift us up to be a light and a witness through this season and life of our church and the life of our nation and the life of our city and state. Father, be glorified. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Today's scripture reading is in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 through 24. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was the face of evil one and murdered his brother, and why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that. We have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love, abide, whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that, we, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brothers in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever a heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us may the Lord bless the reading of his word good morning church family I pray that you are all well before we begin this morning, I wanted to take a moment to share publicly that upon receiving the love offering that you took for the Bunting family, I was instantly overwhelmed by your generosity and humbled by your love. Faith Bible Fellowship Church, it is truly an honor to serve you all as your pastor. And trust me, I would do it without a love offering. However, you all lovingly and freely gave to me and to my family so from the bottom of my heart, thank you. As your love for your pastor, it is obvious. It has been received and felt by me. So thank you. And we, the Bunting family, we love you all. 
All right, now to get back on track. Since today, believe it or not, we begin the second half of the epistle of 1 John. As this morning, we will be looking at 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 15. And I say that, that we are going to be starting the second half of 1 John today because the general focus of the epistle, it is about to shift. Now, the focus thus far in 1 John has really revolved around two main themes, those themes being that of light and of truth. And we saw the first theme of light take root early in chapter 1, as John wrote in verse 5, that this is the message that we heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Thus, because God is light or because God is holy and moral and perfect and pure and righteous, those who are born of God, they then are not going to walk in the ways of the world or in darkness, but instead the children of God, they are going to naturally walk in the light as God their Father is light. They are going to naturally walk in the ways of their God. As for the second theme mentioned, that being truth, John writes in chapter 2 that I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. Now, what exactly is the truth in which John is talking about here and in which his readers already know about? Well, it is in fact the truth that they have heard from the very beginning, that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the Messiah, the very Son of God, and one cannot be in fellowship with God the Father if they deny the Son. Therefore, John repeatedly calls his readers to continue to abide in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to continue to abide in the truths concerning the nature, the accomplishment, and the commandments of Jesus Christ, no matter what any of the false teachers or the Antichrist who left the church are erroneously claiming. Because those who abide in the truths of Jesus Christ in the here and now, they can be assured that they will receive the gift of eternal life and have confidence when Jesus Christ appears because ultimately they will be like him for they shall see him as he is. Thus John has made it clear that those who walk in light and in truth, who seek the ways of God and who believe in the very revelation of God, those who do such things, it is obvious that they are the children of God. However, here in section 2, John offers his readers yet another piece of advice that they can look to, or another test, if you will, that they can take to help them determine if, in fact, they are a Christian or those born of God. And that evidence That mark, that sign in one's life that makes it oh so obvious that one is indeed a child of the Most High God, John says quite simply that it is that of love, that you love your brother and sister in Christ. Which brings us to our thesis statement this morning, or the main theme of the sermon this morning, which is this. The children of God naturally and joyfully love their brothers and sisters in Christ. The children of God naturally and joyfully love their brothers and sisters in Christ. And again, our text this morning is 1 John chapter 3, and will be in verses 11 through 15. Where the Apostle John, he writes... For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, what an honor it is to come into your presence this morning on the Lord's Day and to worship you, the children of God worshiping their Father who created them, who sustains them, 
and who sent his son Jesus Christ to redeem them and who will come again so that we can be glorified with imperishable bodies fit to be in the presence of you, God, in your holiness forever and ever and ever. And yet on these Sundays, on the Lord's Day, when we come together and we sing praises and we pray and we hear your word preached and we build each other up in Christ-likeness, Father, we just get a little glimpse, just a snippet, what it will be like through eternity. Father, let us long for that day. But today, Father, open our eyes and our ears, soften our heart to receive the word that you have given us this morning. Father, the mark of the Christian is that we love our brother and our sister in Christ. Not hate, not be indifferent, but that we love. Convict us morning, Father, to love this church family as we ought. Father, I pray that you give me the words to speak this morning. Let me be clear, humble, showcase conviction, but above all else, speak your truth. And Father, through the work of the Holy Spirit, let these words build up your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning is this church, point number one. The ways of the world are that of evil. Thus, do not be surprised, Christian, that the world hates you. The ways of the world are that of evil. Thus, do not be surprised, Christian, that the world hates you. Verses 11 through 13. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Now, as we finished up section one last week, we saw John close the section this way. As he wrote in verse 10, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And in essence, John's making the point that the practice of righteousness and the practice of loving your brother... For the Christian, those two things, they go hand in hand, for they cannot be divorced from each other or separated from each other. But for the Christian to practice righteousness, it is to also naturally love your brother and sister in Christ. And thus John opens the second section of his epistle this way, as he writes in verse 11, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now, all the way back in chapter 2, John wrote, Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Now, if you can remember back all the way to chapter 2, you remember that the old commandment in which John is talking about, it is likely referring to the words of Jesus himself. For Christ said in John 15, 12, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And as we've discussed previously, this commandment that you love one another, it is littered throughout the Bible, both in the New Testament and yet even in the Old Testament. As Leviticus 19.18 states, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Therefore, this message, this commandment that you love one another... It was certainly not something that was groundbreaking or recent or new to John's readers, as this wasn't a commandment that would have caught them off guard or caused them to scratch their heads. Instead, it was a commandment that John's readers all would have known from the very beginning of their Christian walk, that they, as brothers and sisters in Christ, are to love one another. However, as John has done throughout his epistle, he accentuates his point here, that we as Christians are to love one another by contrasting it with what is evil. Thus, similarly to how John contrasted light with darkness and truth with lies and the children of God with the children of the devil, John here contrasts the love of the Christian with the hate of the world. 
And he begins to do so by strikingly writing in verse 12 that we should not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Now, if you do not know who Cain is, to put it simply, Cain isn't someone you want your child to grow up and be like. For as it states in verse 12, Cain was of the evil one. And Cain, he murdered his brother. And we find the whole story of Cain in which John is referring to in Genesis chapter 4, which reads, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, Cain's brother, also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard. He had favor for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Now, why did Cain murder his brother? John writes in verse 12, because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Meaning that since Cain, who was of the evil one, verse 12, Cain then naturally practiced and lived by the ways of the devil. Therefore, when Cain saw that his brother's sacrifice was pleasing to God and that his was not, Cain naturally then became angry with his brother, which naturally grew into hatred toward his brother and ultimately led to Cain killing his brother, to maliciously, violently, and spitefully murdering his brother. And thus Cain, who was of the evil one, who hated his brother and who carried out the world's first murder, he then became, in essence, as John Stott put it, the prototype, the portrait, the model in which the children of the world naturally follow and reflect. And thus John writes in verse 13, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Do not be surprised, Christian, that the world who possesses the same nature as Cain, you know, the guy who was of the evil one and who literally killed his brother, do not be surprised, Christian, or shocked or caught off guard that the world hates you. Because sacrificial, unconditional, genuine love, that is not the natural practice of the fallen world because that is not the way of Cain or of his father, the evil one. Therefore, Christian, expect from the world what you would expect from Cain. Expect from the world what you would expect from the evil one, for they all possess the same nature. And Reverend John Yanko, he illustrated clearly the evil and the hatred of the world in a story that he shared with the Journal of Biblical Counseling. It was about a German group of men who had immigrated to the United States. And on one evening, they went to the local theater to see a movie about the Nazi invasion of Poland. However, whenever a Polish person appeared on the screen, the German men in the audience would scream, Kill him! Kill him! in a frenzied commitment to the destruction of all German enemies. W.H. Alden, a Pulitzer Prize winning poet, A humanist at the time who later became a Christian was so shocked by their actions that he walked out of the theater in disgust and in disbelief over the type of hatred and evil that man could have that it would cause them to cry out in public for the blood of innocent victims. It is a disgusting story, church, but it is certainly not a shocking story. For Satan, who is evil, he hates God. And Cain, who is of the evil one, he hated his brother. Thus the world possessing the same nature as Cain and of the evil one, they are naturally going to hate as well. 
Therefore, do not be surprised, Christian, when your unbelieving family members detest that you bring up Jesus Christ at the dinner table. Do not be surprised that your unbelieving co-workers, that they're hostile towards you for working in a way that is ethical and honorable and diligent and unto the Lord. Do not be surprised that the unbelieving media spews venom toward you because you desire to raise your family in a holy, God-fearing, Bible-believing manner. Do not be surprised, Christian, that the world is marked out by bitterness, disgust, rancor, revenge, evil, and hatred. For those are the marks of the evil one. They are the marks of Cain, and they are the marks of the world. However, brother Christian, sister Christian, they are not the marks of you. They are absolutely not the marks of the Christian, for there is no room for hate in the heart of the Christian. Which takes us to point number two. A Christian's love for their brothers and sisters in Christ, it is evidence that they have truly been saved. A Christian's love for their brothers and sisters in Christ, it is evidence they have truly been saved. Verses 14 and 15. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So if the marks of the world or the ways of the world are that of evil and hate, which ultimately lead to eternal death, how do we know then if we've passed out of death into life? How do we know then if we've gone from being dead in our sins to alive in Jesus Christ? How do we know then if we've gone from being a child of the evil one to being a child of the Most High God? And John writes in verse 14, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. We know that we have gone from being dead in our sin to being alive in Jesus Christ because we now truly, genuinely, and sacrificially love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not kill our brothers like Cain did, for we no longer have the same nature as Cain. But instead, we as Christians know that we have passed from death into life because we naturally love each other. However, just a point of clarity here. John is in no way promoting any types of works-based salvation here. John is in no way saying that all we need to do to be saved is to go out and love people anywhere and everywhere as earnestly as we can. John is not saying that. John is not saying that we can earn our salvation by simply giving food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, clothes to the naked, medicine to the sick. John, he is not saying that, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, Romans 3.20. Thus, what John is describing here is that by faith in the works of Jesus Christ, that you, Christian, can escape the eternal condemnation that you deserve for your sin and experience salvation with your God. That by faith in the accomplishment of Jesus Christ, that you, Christian, can pass from death into life. And thus, how do we know that someone has truly been saved by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ and passed from death into life? Because, verse 14, they love the brothers. Because they now unconditionally, genuinely, and self-sacrificially love their brothers and sisters in Christ. Thus, when they see them hungry, they naturally deliver them a meal. When they see them thirsty, they naturally serve them a drink. When they see them cold and naked, they naturally give them their jacket. And when they see them sick and unwell, they naturally visit them. Church, just to clarify, no one ever has been and no one ever will be saved by their love or saved by their works. For we can only be saved by grace through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. However, when the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it takes root in our lives, oh, it will naturally then bear gospel fruit, causing us to earnestly, radically, and naturally love each other. And we know this how? Because, verse 14, whoever does not love abides in death. 
that whoever does not love and not bear this most essential gospel fruit, then it is obvious that they simply have no gospel root in their lives, for they still abide in death and they still abide in sin. Therefore, if you see anyone in the church who is not loving, but who instead hates the people who make up the church, that is like a billboard flashing on the front of the person's forehead, declaring to the entire church congregation, I am not saved. Thus, do not think for a second church that we have any reason or any excuse or any liberty to act like the world or to bring hate into this church body because that is not who we are, for that is who the world is. Instead, we church, we are a people who love each other, who sacrifice for each other, who give up our preferences for each other, who see the best in each other, who forgive each other, who lovingly correct each other, and who bear one another's burdens and and thus fulfill the law of Christ. For that is who we are, Christian. Thus, if someone is consistently coming into this church body and spewing hate toward all the saints, John says it is obvious then that they are not a Christian. For that type of behavior is conflicting, it is contrary, and it is in contradiction to the Christian's natural desire to love their brothers. And Leonardo da Vinci, he learned this the hard way. Because before he commenced his work on painting the Last Supper, he had a violent quarrel with a fellow painter. And so enraged and bitter was da Vinci that he decided to paint the face of his enemy, the other artist, onto the face of Judas. And thus take his revenge and vent his spleen by handing the man down in infamy and scorn to the succeeding generations. The face of Judas was one of the first that da Vinci had finished. And everyone could recognize that it was the face of the painter with whom he had quarreled with. But when da Vinci came to paint the face of Jesus Christ, he could make no progress. Something seemed to be baffling him, holding him back, frustrating his best efforts. At length, he came to the conclusion that the thing that was checking him, that was frustrating him, was the fact that he had painted his enemy onto the face of Judas. He therefore painted out the face of Judas and commenced anew on the face of Jesus, and this time with the success in which the ages have acclaimed. It is a profound parable for the Christian life. For you cannot at the same time be painting the features of Jesus Christ into your own life, all while painting others with colors of hate. As John already wrote, if anyone claims to be in the light but hates his brother, he is still in darkness. Therefore, just to make sure that we grasp the weight of this church, just to make sure there is absolutely no confusion concerning what John is talking about here when he says, whoever does not love abides in death. John throws down the gauntlet here in verse 15, where he says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. That is what the kids today call a mic drop. Right, Julie? Mic drop? Now you might be sitting there this morning thinking, wait, that can't be right. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer? I mean, isn't John taking this whole brotherly love thing or hating your brother thing just a little too far? Church, these are the words of Jesus from his Sermon on the Mount. He said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Everyone who insults his brother will be liable to the council, and everyone who says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Church, as Daniel Aiken put it, having hate in your heart, it is equivalent to having murder in your heart. Or as David Allen put it, a person who hates is no different from a murderer in his attitude. Thus, just as it would be obvious, church, that a person who goes around killing people 
couldn't possibly be a child of God, so too it is, is it obvious that a person who goes around the church loathing congregants for mistakes that they have committed, detesting elders for things they said, despising deacons for decisions they made, they couldn't possibly be a child of God either. Thus, if the pattern in your life is to come to church and to loathe and detest and abhor and abominate and hate the children of God, then John says spiritually, you are in the same position as the murderer. For you are dead, you are of the world, you are of Cain, you are of the evil one, and you do not have eternal life abiding in you. For that is how dramatic, church, that is how colossal, that is how immense the chasm is between those who love and those those who hate for anyone who does not love church they do not know god because god is love now as we close this morning i want to begin with the non-christian who is here first a non-christian i just shared with you first john chapter 4 verse 8 that anyone who does not love does not know god because god is love And what I want to share with you next is how the love of God was made manifest to us. How the love of God was made visible to us. As John writes in 1 John chapter 4 verse 9, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Non-Christian, the love of God was made manifest to us. It was made visible to us. It was made obvious to us by God sending his son, Jesus Christ, into the world so that we could live eternally through him. Meaning that Jesus Christ, who is truly God, he broke into the world and was born amongst his people as truly a man. And that while living amongst his people, Jesus Christ, he perfectly fulfilled the law for us by living the life that we could not live. A life that was without sin or transgression or offense. A life that was perfect and holy and righteous. But even more than that, Jesus Christ not only fulfilled the law for us, he also paid the price for our breaking of the law by bearing the punishment that we deserve for our sin. And what was the punishment that Jesus Christ bore in our place? Well, he was nailed to a cross as our substitute, and he died as the sacrifice for our sins. However, sin and death, as powerful as they are, they could not keep Jesus Christ dead. Instead, sin and death, they were swallowed up in his victory as the God-man Jesus Christ, three days later, he rose from the grave and defeated sin and defeated death through eternity. Thus, via faith in his perfect life, death, and resurrection, you, non-Christian, can be saved from the judgment, the punishment, and the wrath that you deserve for your sin because in this is love that Christ laid down his life for his friends. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. Let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who can cleanse you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price of your sin and can clothe you in his perfect life and reconcile you back to God the Father forever. And today will be the day, non-Christian, that you taste the love of God, a love that is so deep and so wide that God sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to die for the sins of his children, and that through him we can be reconciled back to God the Father through eternity. Thus repent of your sins, non-Christian, and place your trust in Jesus Christ. And I can promise you, today you will experience a love like never before, for it is the eternal love of God, a love that will endure forever. And to the Christian who is here today, brother Christian, sister Christian, John states in verse 15 that everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Therefore, it is obvious that we as Christians should not be like Cain, 
and not naturally or openly or unrepentantly hate our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because for those who do, it is evident that they still abide in death. Thus you may be sitting there this morning thinking, Oh, I nailed this one, Pastor. Like, I really got this one down. I mean, I never come to church and openly hate the people here. Or act violently, or scream at, or even allow my face to show even an ounce of disgust toward any of the people here. And I know what you're going to say next, Pastor, that I need to check my heart. But honestly, even when I do, there are no feelings of dislike or disgust or hostility toward any of the people here. So I think I nailed it because I do not hate any of my brothers or sisters in Christ here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church. And if that is you this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, first off, that is a good thing that you don't hate anyone here. And honestly, I praise God for that. However, lovingly, I'm going to push you a little further on this front this morning. I read a story this week where in 1964... A young woman named Kitty was murdered in New York in a New York residential section, all while 38 of her neighbors watched from their windows. During the course of the 30-minute assault, no one even telephoned the police. Interviews with the neighbors following the murder revealed that no one hated Kitty. In fact, no one even thought ill of her, but instead they were all just totally indifferent toward her. The main reason why no one did anything Each person thought someone else would love her. Each person thought someone else would step up and care for her. Church, we have been called to love our neighbor as ourself. Or as the late Reverend Robert Tuck put it, for Christ's sake, we should love our Christian brothers and sisters better than ourselves and always go above and beyond ourselves in love and service to them. Faith Bible Fellowship Church, I have been here for a little over a year now. And honestly, I thank God daily for the progress that we have made as a church body in terms of our fellowship, our care, our concern, and our love for each other. However, our next step as a church body, our next step as a family here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church, it is, as Robert Tuck put it, to actively love each other better than we love ourselves. To actively go above and beyond ourselves in our service toward each other. Now, what does that look like practically for us as a church body? It is for us as a church body to stay after service just a little longer and begin to introduce ourselves to some of the new people here and to get to know them. It is for us as a church body to listen to each other's needs and pray for each other. Yes, even right there in the pews. It is for us as a church body to invite each other over to our houses and serve each other and break bread together. It is for us as a church body to reach out to those who we may have hurt in the past and to squash those old squabbles and repent and move toward reconciliation. It is for us as a church body to not be indifferent to the needs needs of each other, but to instead to try to outdo each other in caring for those who make up this wonderful church body. Church, we have all received a gift. As the children of God, we have all received a gift from the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God commands us to use those gifts to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. Thus, let us be a church that doesn't, under any circumstance, allow hate to permeate within this body or indifference to seep into our DNA. But instead, let us as members of Faith Bible Fellowship Church to be a body that faithfully follows the message that we have all heard from the very beginning, that we as brothers and sisters in Christ are to love one another. Thus it is my prayer that we as a church body, as Faith Bible Fellowship Church, genuinely, unconditionally, and sacrificially love each other. It is just that plain. It is just that simple. Lord, give us the strength to not fall into the hateful ways of the world or allow the sin of indifference to corrupt our hearts. Instead, let us be a family whose hearts beat for each other, whose actions serve each other, and who authentically desire to love each other just as our Savior, Jesus Christ, loved us. 
And it is for that reason, Lord, I ask, soften our hearts this morning. Open our eyes this morning so that we can see all of the congregants that we have been indifferent to. And strengthen us, Father, to now go out of our way to love them as we ought. And through these radical acts of love, Lord, let it be that in everything we do toward each other, that you be glorified, God, since it was you, Father, who loved us first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, love God and love people. You have made your commands so simple that the world will know we are Christians by our love. Father, how easy it is to fall into the malaise of indifference toward each other, to see the needs of the church body or to hear the needs of the church body and to be indifferent to them, to know that we have hurt people within the church and to walk away from it, not repent of it. Father, we are a family, and hate has no place in our hearts. Murder has no place in our hearts. Indifference toward each other has no place in our hearts, for we are the children of God together. Father, let us boldly take steps toward each other, Today, 2021, 2022, and until Jesus Christ comes again, let us boldly take steps toward each other, to loving each other unconditionally, genuinely, freely. For it is the mark that we have been saved by God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand worship together and we're singing a song which of course many of us know and uh, but let's pay attention especially to the third verse because these words have meaning and it's it's rich it's biblical and we're celebrating the time of, of good news and the birth of christ God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. For Jesus Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father, a blessed angel came. And unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by name. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Now to the Lord sing praises, all you within this place. And with true love and brotherhood, each other now embrace. The holy tide of Christmas, all others doth deface. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy.
Our benediction this morning comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 12. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Go in peace, church. Go in peace. Thank you.